means, John, but, uh, <laughs> but I don't know if you guys are aware of this fact, Mary, that uh, did you know that apparently, roll with it, Ruth, I need all the help I can get, uh, that John's New Year's resolution was to start pumping more iron? Do you not working out, right, John? Do you want to, trying to be modest? Okay, that's right. Well, it, you know, but anyway, so but as cool as that is, uh, apparently he ran into some trouble at the gym, Beverly, so pay attention, okay? He walks into the juice bar there, into the gym, and he heads straight for the counter, and he sits on one of the stools there, right? And while he's deciding what he's going to order, you know, some natural fruit drink or something like that, he decides to have a little fun, you know, being John, right? And so he leans over to the woman next to him, and he says, hey, lady, <laughs> you want to hear a funny blonde joke, huh? Well, the lady, she immediately gives John this horrible look, and she replies, well, before you tell that joke, mister, you better know something. I'm a blonde, and I'm six feet tall, and I'm 210 pounds. I'm a professional triathlete, and I'm a bodybuilder. And not to mention the blonde sitting next to me, she's six foot two, she's 220 pounds, and she's an ex-professional wrestler. And if you'll notice, the waitress over there, she's also a blonde. She's six foot five, she weighs 250 pounds, and she is a professional kickboxer. So you see, buddy, we are three big, bad blondes. Now, Mr. Funny Guy, you still want to tell that blonde joke? So John, he blinks and swallows, says, no way, man. Not if I'm going to have to explain it three different times. <laughs> Get up, John, thank you. <laughs> yes, my wife is a blonde, but fortunately she's not here today. And, uh, but uh, I still probably need to ride home because, hi, honey, she's probably watching the live broadcast. Uh, but anyway, uh, how many guys would say that John's frustration there, it's, it's justified, right? I mean, have you ever been in one of those situations where it's totally frustrating to have to explain yourself over and over and over again? You been there? Well, folks, that's right. Believe it or not, did you know one day that's going to happen, if you will, with God? You see, he's been warning us too, folks, over and over and over again in the last 2,000 years about this event called the seven-year tribulation, but we still don't listen. And so guess what? The Bible's clear. One day the whole planet is headed for some serious trouble, and that, of course, all begins at the rapture of the church. And the reason why it's going to be such a horrible time is because, again, for those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they are going to be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation. And folks, that is not a joke. The Bible's very clear. It is an outpouring of God's wrath on a wicked and rebellious planet, and it's such a horrible time. It's the worst time, Jesus said, in mankind's history, and that unless God did shorten that time frame, the entire human race would be completely wiped out and destroyed. Okay? But as we've been seeing, praise God, he's not just a God of wrath, but again, that's not bad. That means he's going to put an end to all the evil and the suffering and the injustice that goes on today. That's good news, okay? But he's also a God of love as well. And because he loves you and I, he gives us so many warning signs to let us know when the tribulation is near and therefore the second coming of Jesus Christ is rapidly approaching. Therefore, in order to keep us uh, here at sunrise from experiencing the ultimate bad day, man, and being left behind, even worse, believe it or not, Bill, than having to listen to that blonde joke again, uh, we're going to continue our study. That's right, the final countdown. And if you've been tracking with us, we've already seen the number 10 sign on the final countdown was Jewish people. Number nine, how about that one? That's right, just mumble, you'll get it right. Modern technology, the number eight sign is worldwide upheaval. Seven is the rise of falsehood. Six is the rise of wickedness. Number five is the rise of apostasy. And the last three times, that's right, who's counting? I am, uh, is the number four sign. And that's the rise of a one world religion. And what we saw is the Bible is very clear. When you see, God lovingly foretold this for you and I, that when we see all the world's religions on the planet coming together as one, which is happening right now, today, all over the world. Okay, thanks in part as we saw to the lie of interfaithism and the last two times the lie of ecumenicalism. And that is a watering down of a God's truth. And this is their panacea for all the ills of our society. We just need to love one another. We just need to tolerate one another. We just need to uh, uh, rethink this Jesus being the only way to heaven thing. And we just need to blend. And oh, by the way, if that doesn't work, you need to submit to some world authority who will handle it all for you. Excuse me? The Bible says uh, that ain't going to bring peace to the earth. That's the false peace of the Antichrist system. And you don't want to have any part of that thing, okay? But that's still in all. Bill, I'm still preaching on it, so guess what? There's got to be more. That's right, Bill. There's got to be more. You're on top. No wonder you were picked for that bowling meeting. That's right. Uh, the third way we know we are headed, folks, for a worldwide, uh, uh, one world religion is because there's going to be a worldwide assault on the church, on God's people specifically, because it's going to go beyond the church. It's even with the Jewish people. Okay? Folks, what we're going to talk about, Lord willing, the next three weeks as we finish up this topic on a one world religion is the rise of Christian persecution. Okay? And again, it makes total sense if you take a look at the biblical context. Once again, put yourself into the Antichrist shoes to understand uh, this one world religion issue. If you're going to deceive the whole world, and that's what the Bible says he's going to do with the help of the false prophet. If you're going to deceive the whole world into creating this one world religion, then you not only got to get rid of one religion being superior over 
than another. You not only have to get rid of any source of truth being more right than another, but you have to get rid of those people who will certainly not go along with your program, right? Okay, well, gee whiz, folks, guess what? That's exactly what the Bible said is going to happen to God's people specifically in the last days. But again, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to his. Open your Bibles to Matthew 24. We're going to read uh, verses 3 through 9. This is the classic text there. Matthew 24, verses 3 through 9. And this is that great classic passage that we see where the disciples are approaching Jesus and they just flat out ask him, hey, how do we know it's getting close? And he gives us this litmus of, of things you can see. When you start to see these things on the planet, mm -mm, you don't know the exact day nor the hour, but man, it's getting close. And let's take a look at what Jesus said we are to get ready for. Matthew 24, uh, starting at verse 3, and uh, let's go ahead and read the context. Here's what it says. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, and they said, tell us, Jesus, when will this happen? And what's going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the what? The end of the age. And so Jesus answered, he says, well, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you're going to hear of, turn on the news today, huh? You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. And the nation's going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famines and there's going to be earthquakes in various places. And all these are just the beginning of birth pains. Ladies, how many of you guys had a child and remember that exciting event right as we saw before this it's a, it's a specific phrase that jesus is using and the closer that you get to the actual birthing process the pain goes down wrong <laughs> no it gets worse the closer you get okay and that's what jesus says as bad as that is you ain't seen nothing yet that's just the beginning of birth pains okay uh, the big stuff if you will is coming down the pike and notice what he says the very next thing the big stuff is coming down the pike is he says then you will be handed over to be what persecuted and what put to death and listen to this and you will be hated by just a select portion of the world just your own country no he says you will be hated listen there by all nations because of who because of jesus is what the text says folks i don't know about you guys but i'm kind of thinking that the events in the seven-year tribulation are probably not going to be very pleasant ones for god's people how about you how many of you guys can figure that out this morning without any help okay slightly uh, wars famines earthquakes false prophets deceit and what did he say there specifically believe it or not christian there is actually going to come a time when the whole planet is going to hate you just for being a follower of jesus right and, and not just hate you but hate you even to the point where they're actually going to want to kill you whoa and for those of you wondering there, the context there is during the seven-year tribulation. So the people of God that he's talking about there, who are going to be hunted down, who are going to be killed, is the Jewish remnant who follow Jesus Christ after their temporary blindness gets removed, okay? Number two, you're also going to see those who get saved after the rapture during the seven-year tribulation because people still can get saved after the seven-year tribulation starts because the Bible is clear. The gospel still goes forth from various sources okay you got the two witnesses okay romans uh, revelation chapter 11 you got the 144,000 male jewish evangelists there you've got the angel of uh, god that proclaims the eternal gospel during that time frame okay and of course i would say logically anything that you and i leave behind for people to discover okay but the point is this the lesson is hello you should have gotten saved before the hammer came down right but the bible says but now here's the problem you're gonna pay with it for a price and the price is going to be your life, okay? During that time, people are going to hate you, and they're actually going to seek to kill you. Listen, just for being a follower of Jesus Christ. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, but Jesus Christ. And so here's the point, I believe, for you and I here today, okay? Do we see any signs of this rise of Christian persecution and hatred towards the people of God around the point, not just where they hate us, but they're actually calling for our death? Yes, we are, folks. It's already here, okay? And believe it or not, folks, as scary as this might be, I'm telling you, once again, it's not a time to be fearful. It's a time to be faithful. We need to get motivated. You might actually, as a born-again evangelical Christian, might have one of these encounters even here in America. Let's take a look. Thanks again for coming down, Mr. Wilson. I know you're a busy man, so we'll try and keep this short. Come on and have a seat. So, for the record, your name is John Francis Wilson, and you live at 15 Clear Heights Drive. I'm, so, I'm sorry, could you clearly reply yes or no to my questions? Yes, I am John Wilson. 
Is this being recorded? Are you a member of the Church of God on Springer Avenue? Yes. Have you taken part in their pro-life meetings and marches? Uh, well, yes, but what does this have to do? Plan on attending this evening's meetings with this group? Yes. Mr. Wilson, are you aware that it is legal in this country to have an abortion? Well, yes, but it hasn't always been that way. Are you aware that some health care providers have been attacked and murdered by members of groups like yours? Hold on. Uh, we have nothing to do with those groups. We are peaceful people that are Are protesting. you aware that some health care providers have been attacked, Mr. Wilson? We believe in preserving life and not taking it. Are you aware, Mr. Wilson? Yes or no? You are a member of three different right-to-life groups. You are a member of a number of evangelical Christian organizations. You've donated money to Christian Science Research and the Salvation Army. You receive daily emails from radical organizations that encourage prayer for our government on matters of policy. You've signed a number of petitions supporting the traditional definition of marriage. You frequently visit websites that are pro-Israeli and others that believe in an imminent cataclysmic event. Your wife and children are also enrolled in or are talking to many other radical anti-social organizations and people. Mr. Wilson, there's a lot more here. Are these the actions of a peaceful man and his family. Now, if you've noticed the last three weeks with the changing of the terminology, the twisting of the words, folks, we're not that far off from that. In fact, I think we're a lot closer than what you think. That you and I, the Christian, are going to be those who become dangerous in our society. See, you used to think it was just the third world countries. You used to think it was just communist Russia. But folks, I'm telling you, it's coming here to America a lot faster than what we think. And I think I know the reason why. Because we, the church in America, have been asleep at the wheel for so stinking long. Because we have been so complacent in love with the things of this world instead of the things of God. And because we continue to beat each other up and defeat the purpose of the church, we are paying a horrible price. The noose has slowly been put around our necks and we are allowing ourselves to do this and be distracted as we're literally being entertained to death. We're distracted. And now there is a rise, whether we realize it or not, a rise of a global hatred of Christianity, and it's just around the corner. And the first way that we know we're headed for this global persecution of Christianity is, folks, if you're paying attention, the propaganda is already here. Hitler, eat your heart out. He must be excited and proud of what our media has done to the evangelical Christian, okay? Folks, as incredible as this might sound, it's already open season on Christians here in the United States. Okay, for instance, correct me if I'm wrong, does our society right now, our former Christian nation, listen, does it not say that we are being judgmental, right? Because we say our society is not good enough for God. But as we've been saying the whole time, folks, it's not us. We're just recording what God says. The Bible says, Romans chapter 3, there is no one righteous, no, not one. I'm not making it up. That's what God says. Then they say, oh, no, you're, you're not just judgmental. You're being arrogant because you guys think you have the only way to eternal life. We didn't say that. Jesus did. How many times have we quoted this passage from the lips of Jesus? John 14, 6. He said, I didn't. I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him, right? We're just quoting Jesus. They say, oh, you're not just judgmental. You're narrow-minded. Because if you practice what you preach, don't you know we're all supposed to just love one another? Then you would see that everybody's worthy of salvation. No, Romans chapter 3 says, no one's worthy, myself included. No, not one. And they say, well, you're just being ignorant. Because you guys are just so full of pride and you're ignorant that you ignore the other paths of enlightenment out there. Really? What did Jesus say? Once again, John 14, 6, he says he is not a truth. He is the truth. That's it. There are no other enlightened paths out there. He's it. And then they say, well, forget it, man. You're just being old-fashioned. You're outdated. Because you, you continue to cling to these obsolete myths and hold literally this antiquated book. Really? Well, this so-called antiquated book says that we're supposed to cling to the word of God and not give in to a bunch of feel-good made-up stories that promote a one-world religion in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Okay? But it doesn't stop there. That was just the beginning of the changing of the terminologies. They have moved to the second stage. Hitler did the same thing to the Jewish people. 
and they've moved to the propaganda just to make sure that you and I start to sound really, really bad in the public arena. You and I, the evangelical fundamental Christian, are now being labeled with such terms as this. Listen, you and I here today are called psycho groups. Dangerous and harmful. Listen to this one. Obstructionist right-wing fanatics who embrace a message of hate and fear. Oh yeah, the cross of Christ, that's a real... That was from Bill Clinton. Mongers of hate who preach their anger. Former Texas governor, Ann Richards. Intolerant, using subterranean tactics. Congressman Vic Fazio. Unchristian religious right who are selling our children out in the name of religion. U.S. Surgeon General Jocelyn Elders. Listen to this one. You and I gathering here today, we are a greater threat than the old threat of communism. From a New York Times writer. Fire-breathing radicals, mergents of hate, fanatics, militants, bigots, and of course the phrase, right-wing fundamental extremists. Have you heard that one? That's all over the place. Now, if you're paying attention, that's the exact same terminology they've been using for years on the Muslim terrorists that everybody's jumping on the bandwagon and say, yeah, hunt those guys down, get rid of them. They're using the same terminology on who now? You and I, the Christian, okay? They're using the same propaganda, which means we are next. Don't believe me? Check out this alleged quote from Janet Reno. She gives her definition, folks, in our country, what is a cultist? Listen to this. She said, a cultist is one who has a strong belief in the Bible and the second coming of Christ, who frequently attends Bible studies, who has a high level of financial giving to a Christian cause. Remember that video? We ain't that far away. Okay? And not only that, who homeschools their children, who has accumulated survival foods, who has a strong belief in the Second Amendment. You're a cultist. And who distrust big government. Listen, any of these may qualify a person as a cultist, but certainly more than one of these would cause us to look at this person as a threat and his family at being in a risk situation that qualified for government interference. Can I translate that for you? That means we need to come and take your kids away. And we already saw that. They're already talking about that at the UN, okay? Now, folks, you take a look, and that's just a cursory reading. I would say that there's a serious spiritual battle going on here in the United States, right? I'm telling you, we, the church, have missed it for the last at least two decades. We think that our Savior is going to come politically. Uh-uh. Learn the lesson from the New Testament of the Jewish people when the true Savior, the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ, arrived on the scene. They didn't want the real Messiah. They wanted a political Savior, somebody who would come and save them from the oppression and the taxation of the Roman society. And they rejected their Messiah. And I've watched the American church do that for at least 20 years. We get all excited because we think it's a political savior that's going to turn our country around. And we got to get back on track like our founding fathers said, no, the savior for our country is Jesus Christ. And until we get back to that, folks, I'm telling you, none of this stuff is going to turn around. We are in a spiritual battle. It's not just an economic battle. It's not a political battle. It's a spiritual battle. And folks, I'm telling you, this is just the tip of the tip of the iceberg of the kind of propaganda that's being used against you and I, the, the Christian today, okay? Let's take a look at even more, and you tell me, folks, if it's time that we get motivated. Listen to what they're labeling you and I, the Christian, as today. Richard Dawkins, in his TV special, okay, The Root of All Evil, said, quote, the scriptural roots of the Judeo-Christian moral edifice are cruel and brutish. You know, things like thou shalt not murder and, and steal and commit adultery. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cruel. Excuse me? Now, he says, when you look closely at the Bible, you're going to find a system of morals which any civilized person today should surely find poisonous. And he said about a church service he went to in Colorado, I believe it was, he said, this reminds me of a, quote, Nuremberg Nazi rally that Nazi leader and propagandist Dr. Goebbels would have been proud of. Excuse me? He later goes on to say that fundamentalist American Christianity is attacking science. He said, but what's it offering instead? Listen, a mirror image of Islamic extremism. You're going to see this repeatedly over and over again. I, ever since 9-11 when I was pastoring in Northern California and I started to hear the propaganda, I said, we better get motivated, folks, because they're using the same terminology that I'm telling you against these Muslim guys that everybody says, yes, you have to go get them and kill them. They've been doing it since 9-11 and they're coming out of the woodwork. They're saying that you and I are just as bad as Al-Qaeda. We'll get to that in a second, okay? Uh, they call us an American Taliban. Christians, us here today. That's what our society is saying about you and I. And the next scene, as soon as he did that on this TV program, showed the burning towers of the World Trade Center in New York City at 9-11. Don't think that wasn't deliberate. Evangelical uh, Christians, watch out for those guys. They're poisonous, they're dangerous, they're American Taliban, and then flash to that scene. Excuse me, it's propaganda. They're, in the non-Christian mind, they're starting to think that you and I are not just crazy wackos. We're dangerous. 
And that's the tip of the iceberg. He's not the only one. So does uh, Rosie O'Donnell. Listen to what she compared you and I as. Let's take a look at this one. Those attacks, okay? That is widespread. And if you take radical Islam and you want to talk about what's going on there, you have to... And just one second. Radical Christianity is just as threatening as radical Islam. In a country like America. Where we have a separation of church and state. Where a democracy... We're not bombing ourselves. Her exact quote was, Rosie O'Donnell, what was it, about two months ago, she said, radical Christianity is just as threatening as radical Islam. Mm -hmm. And in the last hour, we received an email from somebody who said, uh, you seem to forget that in the land of radical Islam, Rosie, the woman, the lesbian, would either be hung or stoned to death. In the world of radical Islam, there would be no view, no show, with independent, opinionated women. Good email. But here's the point. When she said that, what was the secular audience doing? Oh, boo, yes. Major mega applause. Comparing Christianity to that. Let's continue on. She's not the only one. Texas uh, Democrat Al Green said during a Homeland Security hearing that we need to expand the hearings on radical Islam to include the hearing on the radicalization of Christians. This is what's going on in our government right now. Uh, And he's not the only one. A university professor in Australia, he said this about uh, Christian creationists. He says, incompetent design, as I call it, is an anti-intellectual postmodernist mechanism for snaring the ill-educated who don't know better, in other words, into what? Protestant fundamentalism. In front of ours, they're talking about archbishops and politicians running scared and not condemning this what? Christian Wahhabism. Excuse me? And the same way that the moderate Muslim leaders don't condemn Islamic terrorists. Excuse me? That's you and I, the Christian? Okay. And that's why Representative Sheila Jackson warned about recently, a Christian militants might try to bring down the country, the United States, and that such groups need to be investigated. This is what's going on, folks, in Congress. And she's not the only one. Again, it's open season on Christians today. If you're paying attention to the terminology in the media, we're the new threat to our country's survival. Let's take a look. Most of the domestic groups that we have to pay attention to here are white supremacist groups. They're anti-government, in most cases uh, anti-abortion. They are usually survivalist type in nature, identity-oriented. Those groups are... um, groups that claim to be extremely anti-government and um, Christian identity oriented. The separation of church and state is fundamental to American life, but what about the separation of church and military? A new report by a national security expert says that fundamentalist Christianity is rampant in the U.S. armed forces and that military leaders overtly promote evangelical Christianity. Uh, You actually have a system that actually is creating religious fundamentalists and that's what's concerning to me. Sarah Primrose says the only question that needs to be asked is do these fundamentalist beliefs and associated behavior compromise our missions abroad? If yes, we must discourage or ban the encouragement of the spread of this brand of Christianity in the military. What we are learning about the religious beliefs of this militia group makes them seem a little bit like a like a cult, like a standalone religious oddity. But but some of the things that they're obsessed with, fighting the Antichrist, avoiding the mark of the beast, the pre-tribulation rapture, all this stuff, This isn't a set of beliefs that is specific to this one cult. These beliefs are actually sort of characteristic of a broader movement, aren't they? Andre Kudrescu, a commentator for the program All Things Considered, mocked a Christian pamphlet about the doctrine of the rapture, the ascension into heaven. Quote, the evaporation of four million people who believe in this crap would leave the world a better place. Um, The young man, Faisal Shahzad, in Times Square, who tried to blow innocent people that he doesn't know up, these guys are acting on conviction. Somehow the idea got into their minds that to kill other people is a great thing to do and that they would be rewarded in the hereafter. But, but, but Christians do that every single day in this country. Do they blow people up? Every yes, single all day? Christians every day. Pagan practices of American Indians are treated with loving respect. Where Eastern religions bask in the warm fuzzies of spiritual awe. And where even the occult is given the benefit of the doubt. He said the divine force is what the soul is made of. While the Christian faith of untold millions is portrayed as a potential breeding ground for neo-Nazis, public executions, and a religion-induced madness that can lead to everything from mob violence to a mother's willingness to kill her child for God. Do you love God? Yes. Tell him that. Don't be afraid, baby. Far too often, This is the gospel according to Hollywood. That is sick. 
if anybody ever tried even to, remember the YouTube video? Anybody ever tried to do anything like that with some other religion on the planet, what would happen? Go ballistic, go nuts. Now they're making us as Christians, what are they making us look at? Uh, we're dangerous, we're cultists, we're terrorists. We'll eat, we're so wacky, we'll even kill our kids in the name of God. Hitler. Must be proud of our media, folks. It's the same thing he did. Uh, also, that's apparently why Obama's faith advisor, Ibu Patel, also compared Christian totalitarianisms. Who's that? Well, that's those who believe in only one correct interpretation of the religion. You know, Jesus is the only way to heaven, right? Christian totalitarianists. He says they are as dangerous as Al-Qaeda, right? In fact, hatred towards Christianity has gotten so bad, they offer now what's called fundamentalist workshops. Check this out. This is wild. Former Christians can now be uh, rescued from their religion, it's called uh, Release and Reclaim, and it's being headed up by a Berkeley psychologist named Marlene Winnell. She wrote this book here. It's called Leaving the Fold, and she says their God was a capricious, vindictive, punishing figure. Now they need help trusting themselves. And she goes on to say that fundamentalism shares this belief that of original, original sin, a final judgment day, and the reliance on the Bible as the literal word of God, that's a damaging belief, she says. And people need to be rescued from that. And then she calls on the help of professions to study and treat these people, recovering uh, adherence as they do other traumas and addictions. You know, like being a Christian is a, a bad habit, a, uh, a horrible addiction. It's some traumatic emotional thing that you need to be rescued from, like, a, like drugs or smoking. And that's why Richard Dawkins, that's exactly what he called us, folks. He says, I think of religion as a dangerous virus. It's a virus which is transmitted partly through teachers and clergy but also down the generations from parent to child and to grandchild. Children are especially vulnerable to infection by this virus of religion. And of course, talking about Christianity. And Al, I got to think, I said, gee whiz, what's next? You're going to offer some vaccination uh, from religion, uh, just like other so-called dangerous, harmful, addictive behaviors like drugs and smoking? This is wild. Believe it or not, they may not be that far away. Check this out. This is how anti-Christian is getting. Let's take a look. When it comes to drug addiction, science still doesn't fully understand why some people become hooked and others don't. But for those who are addicted to drugs, giving them up or indeed just cutting them back can be an almost impossible task. Well, scientists are developing vaccines against drug addiction. They work by vaccinating against the pleasurable effects of the drugs, hopefully making it easier for users to give up. In fact, one day, they may even vaccinate people before they've even been near a drug to catch them before they can become addicted. Excuse me, on the left over here, we have individuals who are religious fun fundamentalists, religious fanatics. And this is the expression, uh, RT-PCR, real-time PCR uh, expression of the VMAT2 gene. Over here, Dr. we have individuals. In so so, so let, let me complete. So over here, we have uh, individuals who are not particularly uh, fundamentalists, not particularly religious. And you can see there's a, a much reduced uh, expression of, of this particular gene, the, the VMAT2 uh, gene. Uh, another evidence that, that supports our, our hypothesis for the development of, of, of this um, approach. Uh, so what you're what you see here is by, by, by spreading this virus, we're going to eliminate individuals from donning on a bomb vest and going into a market and blowing up the market. So our, our hypothesis is that these are fanatical people, uh, that they have overexpression of the VMAT2 gene and that by vaccinating them against this, will eliminate this behavior. They've isolated the part of the brain that makes you crazy religious person. Okay? And then get a vaccination and... Folks, I'm telling you, it's getting pretty wild out there. Uh, but hey, just in case that vaccine doesn't work, uh, stop you from being a Christian, hey, maybe they'll just get rid of you, period. Okay, and that's ultimately what we're headed to. The United States Department of Homeland Security issued its, listen to this, right-wing extremism, current economic and political climate, fueling resurgence in radicalization and recruitment report. Okay? Now, my guess is it probably cost 8 million ron to come up with that report, so you've got to come up with an $8 million title. Okay, anyway, whew. Anyway, so in this report, <laughs> here's what they said. It alleges that violent right-wing extremist movement is trying to take over our nation. Now listen, according to the definition of this report, Bible-believing Christians are now being labeled as the right-wing extremists in that group. And their strategies are reminiscent of Adolf Hitler's enabling powers, learn your history, which the Third Reich used after the Parliament building was burned down by quote-unquote terrorists. 
And these enabling powers gave Hitler the legal power to profile and arrest anyone who was being suspected of being critical of the Nazi party. And it enabled Hitler to grab control of Germany in just a matter of months, not stopping there. Then he began to slaughter millions of Jewish people and Christians. You don't hear about that one too much. And if you're wondering if you're going to be added as a terrorist on their list, Homeland Security, uh, according to our own current government, this, any one of these behaviors, believes if you're in a group or an individual, will classify you as a terrorist, okay? Are you pro-life? You're classified right now as a terrorist. I'm not making this up. Check it out yourself. Critical of the United Nations? You're a terrorist. Critical of the New World Order? You're some sort of a terrorist, okay? A critical of the Federal Reserve? How about if uh, you oppose homosexual marriage? You're a terrorist, according to these groups. Oppose the North American Union, which they say officially doesn't exist. Lord Willem will get to that eventually. Uh, critical of the income tax? Do you oppose illegal immigration? Do you fear foreign power, such as communist China, Iran, Russia, and India? You know, that used to be called uh, uh, just being a good patriot. But now you're called a terrorist. Excuse me? Uh, uh, the critical of any of President Obama's policies, abortion, homosexuality, etc., you're being labeled as a terrorist. Are you concerned about RFID chips? Lord will we'll get to that uh, eventually. Bible, uh, belief in a Bible prophecy or end-time prophecies? You're a terrorist, okay? And one man states, he says, what's interesting about the above list is that a great deal of it has nothing to do with the individual nation. The only possible reason any national government will be concerned about its citizens objecting to things like the New World Order, a world government, the United Nations, homosexual marriage, a regional global government like the North American Union, abortion, RFID chips, and the belief in end times prophecy is because that's what they're planning to promote in the near future. Why, otherwise, why be bothered about it? Okay? And then he closes with this. He says, I would suggest to you that Bible prophecy is being fulfilled far faster than most of us realize, and that's why governments around the world are concerned about these things. And I would agree, okay? But folks, you take a look at what's going on, okay? Uh, it would appear to me that uh, we as the church, I'd say uh, we don't have the liberty to keep beating each other up. How about you? I'd say, say we don't have time to fight each other. We better start working together. We better start getting united. We better start getting motivated or we are in a heap of trouble. We've never had, but I'm telling you folks, pay attention. As the church of Jesus Christ here in America, we've never had the liberty to play games. It's not in the scripture, but I'm telling you, we really don't have the liberty to play games now. That is long gone. As the church, we better start covering each other's back and stop sticking knives in each other's back. We better start getting united. We better start getting motivated because Jesus said this is what's going to happen in the last days. And folks, it's already here. It's fast approaching. The second way we know we're headed for global persecution is that, hello, folks, this isn't just being talked about. It's already being done. The persecution is already here. Christian persecution has skyrocketed, folks, in recent years. And again, you saw the uh, statement up there. Everybody knows, and rightly so, that Hitler killed approximately 6 million Jews, right? Did you realize he killed approximately 7 million Christians? Why didn't you ever hear about that? It's being repeated today, folks. Right now, there's over 250 million Christians worldwide under the threat of persecution. Right now, all over the world, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are being beaten, tortured, imprisoned, and murdered. Why? Because they refuse to compromise on the truth, unlike the ecumenical movement that's trying to push us into this one world religion. In Sudan, over two million, two just in that country, two million fellow brothers and sisters in Christ have been exterminated for being Christians. Why did you hear about that on the news? That's just the one country. In 1988 alone, just in that one year, some 310,000 Christians were slaughtered. And more Christians have died for their faith in the last century alone than the whole previous 19 centuries combined. It's getting worse. In fact, once again, folks, that is just the tip of the iceberg. Let's take a look at some facts on Christian persecution right now, folks. 75% of all religious persecution right now around the world is directed against who? Christians, right now, folks. And that has now made Christianity the world's most number one persecuted religion on the planet, exactly like Jesus said. Researchers are now saying Christianity isn't dying, it's being eradicated. In fact, recently, a Jewish rabbi, listen to this, he said Christians have become the new Jews. From a Jewish rabbi. You can check it out yourself, folks. And just like Jesus said what happened, they're calling for our extinction. Okay, this is an actual quote that I've been sitting on that I got from a quote-unquote fellow American from YouTube in response to a video, listen to what he says about you and I. He says this, Christians are going to start dying in mass numbers when America ends. I'll be the first one to lead the charge. Christians are starving the poor. They're always driving nice cars. Christians always need money. We have to come together and kill them. When the dollar collapses and there are riots and there are no more rights in law enforcement, just start killing Christians as fast as, and as many as you can before they implement slavery in the same government that got us here in the first place. A quote-unquote fellow American. Tell me the propaganda's not working. 
okay? I got that on file. And that would explain the new t-shirts out there, okay? If you can see this real close up here, it says exterminate Christians one bullet at a time at a march. Can you imagine if they said that about Muslims? Why is it okay for Christians? Jesus said, folks, this is coming in the last days. We better get motivated. That's the new shirt. And this is why one Christian commentary predicted the real Christian church in America is going to be forced to do as the early Christians, and that is to go underground, okay? And the mainline Christian churches have slipped away from the foundation of Scripture to adopt secular tenets and leftist political correct philosophies until they become only a shadow of the true followers of Jesus Christ. Our mainline denominations have become nothing more than social clubs and their pastors preach feel-good sermonettes about the environment and things like social justice. They are fearful of preaching the scriptures and of pointing out man's failings lest they be accused of slander or sued for libel is what's going on. And that's why the founder of Gospel of Asia said he believes this persecution will soon impact believers in America and he is fearful that many are not ready. He says the great falling away from the faith could be worse here in America because people absolutely are not prepared to face suffering or persecution because we cannot imagine a gospel with the cross in it and suffering in it here in America. He says we focus too long on prosperity and material possessions instead of surrendering all to Jesus Christ. And the result, he says, is the American church has become very naive in thinking that world persecution will never come their way. He said these are warning signs and he says God is telling us we need to prepare our lives or as one pastor puts it, the time for excuses is over. It's it. Can I translate that for you? What in the world more does God got to do? Why do we always have to learn things the hard way? It is time as the church we need to stop beating each other up and we got to start getting along. We have got to get motivated and we got to get unified and start making a difference for Jesus Christ. Hey, guess what? I, I've discovered, I hope this isn't a surprise to you, I've discovered there's one surefire way so that the person sitting next to you will not try to kill you. Listen to this, it's revolutionary. Share the gospel with them. And if they become a Christian, they're not going to kill you. They'll go to the grave with you. We're distracted. Folks, what more does God have to do? This is not a game. This is real, okay? He doesn't want us going to go into the seven-year tribulation. He certainly doesn't want us to end up in hell if we're not a Christian. And so this is why out of love, he's given us all these signs of this one world religion. And now with the rise of a global persecution of God's people to let us know this tribulation, folks, it's near. This is why Jesus said when this stuff takes place, yes, even here in America, hey, guess what? When these things begin to take place, you better stand up, lift up your heads. Woo-hoo, Jesus Christ is right around the corner. All right? We should get excited, but let's not waste the opportunity and certainly let's stop beating each other up. The point is this, if you're here today as a, and you're not a Christian, I beg you, please, heed the warnings, heed the signs. Give your life to Jesus now because tomorrow might be too late. Yes, as you saw, you might have to suffer on this world for being a Christian. But it's nothing compared to suffering in hell forever and ever and ever. But if you're here today as a Christian in closing, folks, would you please stop sinning against God? Would you please stop being apathetic? Would you please stop being distracted? And for goodness sake, would you please stop hurting your fellow brother and sister in Christ when we need each other, when the noose is tightening around her neck? Turn to somebody one more time and say, hey, I need you, man. Church, we need each other. We have to start getting along. We have to start covering each other's back instead of putting the pickaxes and the shovels in them. We don't have that liberty anymore. We have to make a difference while we can. We have to work together. And if that doesn't get your attention, whether you realize it or not, because we've been so apathetic, because we have been so self-centered, because it's all about what we want. It's all about our supposed injustices. The pastor didn't preach what I wanted to hear. The music director didn't sing the song I wanted to sing. They didn't do this the way I wanted it. They didn't have that program. What happened to this? What happened to that? Did you know that somebody looked at me cross-eyed at the last potluck? Oh! <laughs> or my ultimate favorite, they sat in my pew. Ew. We're playing those games when our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ need us to stand in the gap for them to go to these governments, to speak up against Christian persecution. Because do you realize, the longer we refuse to do that for them, it not only hurts them, but we're digging our own grave because we're next. We'll close in prayer after this video. Stop beating 
each other up. Start getting motivated because our brothers and sisters in Christ are paying a horrible price. Let's take a look.
Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder and you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. E for instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing 
to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.